amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. So, Matt, what's the difference between a poorly dressed man on a tricycle and a well dressed man on a bicycle? Hmm. A tire. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You're welcome. See, I'm thinking I could have figured that one out. Yeah, I, I wanted to jump in before you did, though. Can't have you stealing the punchline. <laughs> Uh, See, all my ones like that, I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They're all bad. <laughs> They're all old, old Red Fox bits. And yeah, stuff. <laughs> that's, those are Patreon shows. Yeah. everybody and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales Oh, right matt how are you brother man i am good we've got we got a candle burning Right up with us. Yeah. Ambiance. Because it's cold. Yeah. We're using it for heat. (laughs) We're sitting around it with our hands warming ourselves. Man, it's 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 hot in here in the summer and it's freezing in the winter because you'll be able to hear the air conditioner, the heat. Right. You gotta you gotta keep that thing turned off. We look like Eskimos in here. Yeah, right. (laughs) But that that means it is winter. So, uh, but it's also 2019. Who's ready for 2019 out there? We're right in the middle, uh, the beginning of it. That's right. So, uh, I, I think it's going to be a great year. Let's, yeah. let's make it a great let's year. Let's make it a great year because well, 2018 had its ups and downs. It really did. So, <laughs> let's as as a, a a graveyard thing. Let's force this to be a good year. That's right. So, everybody out there. Make sure you have a great year this year. And, you know, we already started off with with a loss. You know, Super Dave Osborne. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> if anybody ever, if, if if you're old as me. Oh, and, geez, and who you, is? And you had, and you, <laughs> right, and you had Showtime when you were a kid, you probably saw the Super Dave Osborne show. And, and I don't know why it was so ridiculous, but I thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. And, uh. Yeah, and he and he passed, I believe, yesterday. Yeah, or at least I read the I read the story yesterday. So yeah, so that's the last one this year. <laughs> no it. more no this more. year. <laughs> we can't we can't be doing that this year. We had no. too many in yeah, no 2018. More. Lost too many of my musical idols in 2018. Um, but on a whole different note, on a better note, we wanted to thank some people who sent us some stuff this last week. Uh, we wanted to thank the BS Pod for sending the stickers and the Christmas card. We really appreciate that. Uh, we wanted to thank Cat for sending the Christmas card, and we also wanted to thank Tiffany 
for sending uh, it's a little figurine that kind of looks like a cloaked ghost. Um, it almost reminds me of my Foo Fighters shirt that I have that's mm-hmm. got the um, goateed skull on it. Yeah. Um, really dig that. It's sitting here on the, the new graveyard table that we got. Yeah, um, we're, we're stepping up in the world. We are stepping up professional looking table here. So, <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for sending us stuff. Um, if you want to send us anything, the P.O. box address will be in the show notes. You can send it to us. I don't get by there every day. But I do get by there at least once a week to check it. So send us something if you want to. Um, For those of you that went to our live show or you are a $10 plus patron, then you will know who David from EVP Mediums is. Um, He will have a new show coming out. The premiere episode will be January 8th. And it's called Paranormal Road Internet Radio Talk Show. It's going to happen Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. And on January 8th, for their premiere, they're going to have a two-hour episode. So go over and check them out at their website, evpmediums.com, to give them a listen. I think you're going to want to check it out. Yeah. Especially if you like the topic of tonight's show. That's right. You will like at least their premiere episode, but I think you're going to like the whole thing. Yeah. And, and they're, they're great folks and we really enjoyed hanging out with them at the live show and appreciate everything they offered. Um, and look forward to hanging out with them again. So yeah, go check them out. I mean, you, you will not be disappointed. No, yeah, I, I promise they know their stuff and they, they know how to tell it. So go check them out. I promise you will you will like it. It is Paranormal Road Internet Radio Talk Show, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Make sure you go check it out. All right, so Matt, let's take a quick potty break, and then let's get into the episode. All right. Hello, all you curious creatures out there. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay, and welcome into The Portal a place where we discuss all things lost, unexplained, and straight-up strange. Ancient lost history, cryptozoology, worldwide myths and legends are all things to expect when you dive into the portal. Like the time we covered the strange case of giant humanoid swimmers in Siberia's Lake Baikal. Or the terrifying legend of the Braxton County monster who stalked the hills of West Virginia. Oh, and don't forget about the enduring mystery of Egypt's lost underworld. We dig it all, so join us every week for a brand new adventure into some of the world's lesser-known unexplained phenomena, cryptic creatures, and historical mysteries. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. And of course, at IntoThePortal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. So come join us. The only question is, will you peer into the portal? Okay, Matt, so what are we talking about tonight? Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about a topic that um, many of you in the graveyard have uh, asked us to look into, and it's one that we've wanted to look into for a really long time, and that's shadow people. Mm-hmm. Not shadow puppets. You know, yeah. Adam can make a pretty mean rabbit yeah, on and the wall. I'll tell you, it's a good one. It's impressive, <laughs> but... Uh, we're not talking about shadow puppets. We're talking about shadow people. 
and and, and tonight we're going to talk about what they are, you know, what people have experienced um, seeing shadow people, and one in particular that's a really really bad dude um, in in the realm of shadow people. Okay, so shadow people are said to have been around since the dawn of, of time and always influencing or messing with, you know, we humans. Yeah, us mere mortals. That's right. So the descriptions of shadowy human-like figures have appeared in folklore dating back to ancient times. I mean, for example, the Quran mentions pitch black sapient beings that aren't entirely spiritual or physical. And people in ancient Europe reportedly believe that shadow beings desired blood and without it couldn't be reborn. And in modern times, reports from people claiming to have seen these beings themselves come from all over the world. So, Adam, what are shadow people? Why you ask? Oh, yeah, I got it. There. <laughs> so, <laughs> so shadow people are said to be like creatures of supernatural origin that appear as dark forms in the periphery of people's visions. And they disintegrate or move through walls when they're noticed. So they're kind of on the outskirts of your vision. You never really get a full view of them most of the time. Uh, Most accounts of shadow people describe them as black humanoid-like silhouettes with really no discernible mouths, noses, eyes, or any expression whatsoever. Though some witnesses have also described child-sized humanoids or shapeless masses. Some reports also include glowing red eyes, which Matt will hit on a little bit more a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Now, generally, they are described as lacking mass, though their specific nature uh, is is kind of like a two-dimensional shadow, uh, anywhere up to a vaporous or distorted three-dimensional form. Their movement is also described as being very quick and disjointed. And kind of slowly moving at first, kind of as if they were passing through a heavy liquid, and then they'll kind of rapidly hop to another part of the room in the witness's vision. Some witnesses describe this movement as though the shadow entities they have seen kind of danced from one wall to the next, or moving around the room as if they are on a specific track. So maybe they're just playing Just Dance or something. They could be. Uh, <laughs> it's Shadows playing Dance Dance Revolution. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so reports of shadow people are kind of like ghost sightings, but they differ in that shadow people are not reported as having human features, wearing modern or period clothing, or attempting to communicate most of the time. Witnesses also do not report the same Feelings of being in the presence of something that was once human. Some individuals have described being menaced or chased, or very, very rarely we see someone that has said they've been attacked by shadow people, but never really much detail on those. Uh, Matt and I were talking about that a little bit before the show. Is you you get some of those accounts where somebody will mention, yeah, I'm attacked by a shadow person, but not really any great detail. Well, and it's almost like the the word attack is used very loosely. Right, right. You know, where I, when I hear the word attack, I think of, you know, a physical assault. Yep, punching you in the face. Right. Yeah. You know, I I'm I'm 
I'm in, I'm, I'm taking harm to my person. Right. You know, right. when I, when I hear somebody say they were attacked, but you know, oftentimes people will describe situations where the shadow being, it, it passed very close to them or it feels like it passed through them or was close enough to touch them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's an attack, right? you know, where it, it actually saw it long enough for it to get close enough to me to where it could touch me or harm me, but maybe no physical harm was actually done. Right. And, you know, like, like Adam said, the, even the, the ones, the, the accounts that say people were attacked are rare, mm-hmm. you know, but then when you do find one that where they say they're attacked, it, yeah, there's just, there's details missing, but we, we do get the kind of feeling that these accounts are not innocuous, mm-hmm. you know, right, e- even right. if there was no physical harm done there, there was some type of, you know, malice, yeah. you know, that, that was felt during this experience. Right. Like a, a mental or emotional scar right. that was left rather right. than a yeah. physical scar. There have also been reports of shadow people appearing in front of witnesses or lingering for several seconds before disappearing. So witnesses will report the encounter that, you know, typically accompanied by this feeling of dread, like Matt was saying, they they see the shadow person and there is that feeling just, you know, when you feel something that 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 deep down fear that you get yeah and and people will get that sometimes from if you have you know i don't like the word irrational fear but you know what i mean that Mm -hmm. that that inherent fear that you get from something uh some people get it from snakes yeah some people get it from you know i get it if i'm at the zoo and a big lion comes rushing at the the wall there because your brain is not thinking, hey, there's a wall, it's going to stop. You know, you just get that sinking in your gut like, holy crap, I'm going to die. And that's what these people usually report, right. seeing yeah. a shadow figure. Yeah, I remember growing up, there was an area of our yard that was separated by a creek, and it was very difficult to mow and take care of. Right. So it was real tall, tall grass, you know, knee high. And Knee high to a grasshopper? Yeah, well, it was higher than a grasshopper. It was... <laughs> Me high to a mat hopper. There you go. But I remember being a kid and knowing tall grass creek equals snakes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't much care for snakes. I don't really care for them now. Right. You know, but I'm more afraid of the snakes that I can't see. If I see a snake, I'm fine. Sure. But in my head, if I look and I see an area, there's snakes in there. Mm -hmm. I, I, I will formulate. 45 snakes in that area and I will avoid it. Sure. So, you know, people can sometimes do this. You can freak yourself out just with a perceived fear. Right. As Adam said, not irrational, but I have reason to believe that that is dangerous and I should be afraid of it. Right. You know, whether it actually is or not. Right. You know, you've got a reason to believe that it's, that you should be afraid. And so that, that sense of seeing a shadow person and thinking I should really be afraid of this. Mm-hmm. This is not right. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, you, you, sometimes you begin to rationalize what's going on. I'm not really seeing this, but your brain is telling you 
you should be afraid. Yeah, be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if if the appearances of these figures sound kind of familiar, um, like we've discussed them before, it's probably because of what is dubbed as the old hag syndrome. And we've think, talked about this. I think Adam this. has that. Yeah, I've got something like that because... <laughs> Maybe it's just that I am an old hag. That's what you're thinking. You don't like kids coming to trick-or-treating? No. You know? <laughs> no. I, I squirted some kids the other day with a water hose out in front. Get off of my lawn. Uh, but it, it's that, um, you know, the, the feeling of it's sleep paralysis um, where you feel like someone's sitting on your chest or whatever. That The physical description of the old hag uh, is a lot of what we get from shadow people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we'll talk about this more in depth later, but skipping ahead a little bit, um, a lot of these shadow people are seen during sleep yeah, paralysis. Absolutely. Um, I've had my own experience with that as we've talked on the show before. Um, when I was having the bouts of sleep paralysis for a while, I would wake up, be paralyzed but there would be a dark figure rushing down the hallway into the bedroom. And I would be able to move right as it got to the bed. This happened several times. So I kind of feel like that, if it's not a true shadow person, it's very similar to. Yeah. And, you know, this happened to us over the holiday. We were we're in bed, and Amanda says, I just saw something at the door. I said, what? She's like, I saw a shadow move across the door. And like, when I looked at it, I couldn't see it again. And I was thinking, here we are researching shadow people. Right. And now one's going to come a knocking. Right. And so that she's like, to and, then, to us. and then she said, I just saw it again. I just saw it again. So I started looking and it was funny because I remember, because I thought she's going to start freaking out. And that's going to make me freak out. Right. I'm freaking but out because you're freaking her, out. I remember telling her, I was like, listen, I said, we're cool because I said, I've got this black tourmaline mm-hmm. right here on the nightstand, which is where it sits. Mm-hmm. And uh, Best place for I it. said, so we're, we're good. I said, you know, nothing's going to come in here. But then as we kept watching it, <laughs> we realized that our daughter's room across the hall mm-hmm. has got, she's got an LED light bulb in one of her lamps oh yeah and every so often it's one of those that you get a remote with and you can change mm-hmm. every so often it'll reset and it, its default is to cycle through the colors periodically oh yeah and and instead of just like fading in and out they'll blink and so what we were catching was when it would switch to like a dark blue then it would jump to like a light color. Yeah. And it would make this shadow appear on the door. Oh, yeah. But it took us a while to really come to terms that that's what indeed it was. Right. And I'm not 100% sure that that is exactly what it was every time, but that's that's, that's what, what we're telling ourselves. That's what your <laughs> rational mind uh, had to come up with. And we talk about that a lot, that they're, you know, your rational brain no matter what it is, your rational brain is trying to find that Occam's razor right explanation for it. Yeah. And probably 80% of the time, that's that's it. That's what it is. It's exactly right. But there is that other 20% of the time that 
Occam's razor does not apply, and it's not that. It's something legitimate, you know. Um, but one important observation about shadow people that isn't often seen with the conventional ghosts that we talk about is that they seem to be aware of our presence. A lot of times the manifestations occur um, that involve an entity. They, they just seem to be going about their daily business. You know, you're basically like the old tape theory that we've talked about before. You're mm-hmm. watching something that they did in life and they're moving back and forth through that. Um, but rarely do we see them notice us or try to communicate with us. But the shadow people tend to be very aware of our presence. And uh, a lot of times it seems like they wish to make us feel uncomfortable or frightened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that seems to be their thing. And that's a good segue, Matt, into into an interview that was done by Art Bell, who, if you don't know who Art Bell is, he was uh, the coast-to-coast host, the host-to-coast-to-coast. I like the way that sounds. Um, And he did an interview in 2001 with a man named Thunderstrikes. Um, He's an elder with the Twisted Hairs Elders. It's a group of Native American elders that are supposed to have roots as far back as 2000 B.C. or further. Um, he's a First Nation elder, a teacher, and co-founder of the Deer Tribe Medis- Medicine Society. That was a tongue twister for yeah, me, and I'm not sure why. Yeah. So, Thunder Thunderstrike's given name is Harley Swift Deer Reagan. Now, not only was he a part of the, the Deer Tribe Medis- Medicine Society, he was also a very accomplished teacher and philosopher and storyteller. And a gunnery sergeant. <laughs> and a gunnery sergeant. This guy, he was pretty talented. Now, you know, some of the, some of the accounts I, re- I read um, say that the, the Reagans in general were, were very, very good storytellers. Right. To the point of a lot of what they said, could be borderline tall tales. Right. Um, Which us Texans have been accused uh, of that too. We can weave a tale, apparently. (laughs) So, however, um, he did have a really interesting take on what shadow people were. Now, he says that the first record from the Twisted Hair Elders about shadow people was in 1153 B.C. That's a long way back. That's, I mean, that is a, a long, long way back. Right. And that's a lot further than most people give the shadow people credit for. That's right. You know, they think it's a modern day thing. But yeah. apparently, according to this, it's not. Yeah. And he says that they're an inorganic life form from another realm or dimension. Now. The reason that we may think that shadow people are a much more modern um, occurrence is because, according to Thunderstrikes, between the years 1980 and 2000, there was what he describes as an awakening. Mm-hmm. And in 2001, a quickening began, which is 
simply described as, you know, events in time seeming to speed up. Now, I'm not really sure what that means, (laughs) other than I can tell you that as I get older, things begin to seem like they occur much, much faster. Right. So I had this conversation with my son the other day. I said, doesn't it just feel like we were on vacation for the 4th of July? Doesn't it just feel like we were kayaking and, and running and doing all this stuff for the 4th? He's like, yeah. He said, it just seems like it was just the other day. Mm-hmm. And it was six months ago. Right. Do you know one of the, uh, and this is kind of, it's tangential to what you're talking about, but I heard a philosopher talking about that same thing. Has nothing to do with the quickening that Thunder's talking about. But he said the reason that as you get older, it feels like time moves quicker is because think about when you're five. A year is a whole one fifth of your life. So it's a long time. But when you get 30, 40, 50, a year is only one fiftieth of your life. So it's really not that long a time in the grand scheme of your life. Right. So to you, as you get older, time seems to go quicker because it literally is less of your life than it used to be. And to me, that made a whole lot of sense when he said yeah. that. I went, okay, well, it makes n- sense. No your wonder. perception would be exactly altered because of that. But in, in Thunderstrike's quickening, during this time, post-2001, that these interdimensional beings, these shadow people, are much more visible to humans. Right. So that would explain, at least you know, from Thunderstrike's vantage point, why we see more accounts and reports of shadow people now than we did, say, 50 or 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. But they're there. You know, they're just much more spread out. Right. You know, there's, I mean, you can find accounts that are within the last 10 years that are just clustered, you know, where where people are, you know, saying they're seeing these shadow people, these shadow entities, um, you know, dozens and dozens across, you know, the span of a few months, you know, as opposed to three or four over the span of a few decades. Right. You know, so it, it makes sense, um, you know, that something is going on that's causing these, these entities to be more, um, prevalent, prevalent. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Now he also says that these shadow people, they, they feed off of our emotional discharge. Right. And chaos. Right. And essentially, they are energy vampires. Right. So they're they're not really sucking the life force out of you, but they they feed on the energy that surrounds you. Right. So when they come in and they scare you, you get that primal fear that we were talking exactly. about. Exactly. They then kind of slurp that up with their little shadow people straws. Yeah. So... He's quoted as saying, our negative emotions are completing the shadow people and helping to assemble them in our reality. So, 
In other words, they exist outside our reality and are allowed to inhabit space in a semi-physical form in our reality by feeding on our negativity and fear. And he said, we see them with our, in quotes, psychic eye, which is why we usually only see them in our periphery. And according to Thunderstrikes, they are not necessarily evil. Right. Which, I mean, that makes sense. It does. Because if they're feeding on negativity and evil feelings, it doesn't necessarily mean they themselves are evil. Right. And if we're feeding, because Matt and I kind of listened to the same, well, I think it was two different interviews that he did, but he said the same thing in these interviews. And basically, the completing them in our reality basically means that they have some kind of, they have a transport into our reality. But in order to stay here and in order to take that semi-physical form, they have to ingest some energy. Right. And what is most powerful for them is our negative emotions, our right. our fear, our anger. And you'll see people you know, talk about that in stories that it happened around bad events for them. Exactly. And if you if you if you think about how you feel when you're sad or you're stressed or angry, you know, if if I'm in a really good mood and I walk past somebody at work or, or you know, I, I, I see somebody and, you know, out in public. They may or may not pick up that I'm on a I'm in a really good mood. Mm-hmm. They may just you know, well, yeah, it was good to see Matt. Yeah, but if I'm angry or stressed or sad or something like that, people will pick up on it. Absolutely, because there's so much more energy it seems behind negative emotions than there is behind positive ones. Right. You know, at least what you exude. Sure. You know, so people can. People can pick that up. You know, you can tell when, especially like with my kids, I can always tell when something's wrong, even if they're sitting there playing video games. Right. I, I can tell there's something bothering them. You know, I, I know that maybe they had a bad day at school or they didn't get a good grade or a friend was mean to them. And that emotion is coming out even without their words or facial expressions. I can tell. Sure. You know, Um in the same respect, you know, most people can tell because that energy is there. You know, when things are all hunky dory, you you don't necessarily feel it. Yep. And I've I've heard it put by a couple different people that apparently, not the not the like reading of auras type thing, but they said when when you have these negative emotions, this anger, this fear, or whatever. That emotion, that energy kind of drips off of you like a sludge. And if there's enough of that emotion in a room, then it basically leaves like this energetic film in the room. The walls will be coated in this inner negative energetic film. And you know, it can exude off of into chairs and, and people who are sensitive to that mm-hmm. can tell when they walk into a room, you know, when you walk into a room and someone's just had a fight. Mm, yeah. And there's that heavy 
feeling in the room and you may they may just be sitting there like nothing's happening but you can tell that there was just a fight that's that negative emotion coming out and and just permeating the room and it's like you're tripping and falling over it so you know we always talk about it's always easier to remember a negative time than it is a positive time like i can go back and i don't remember much about high school but I remember all the stupid crap I did that mm-hmm. embarrassed me or scared me or whatever. And that proves that negative emotions are a much stronger energy source. So it makes all sense in the world that if something were to feed on our emotions, it would feed on the negative ones. Yeah. And there's many entities, not just shadow people, but there are many entities that seem to feed on or pick up on humans' negative emotions. Right. And if you think about some of the stories that Adam and I have discussed on the show, especially when it comes to some of these haunted places. I don't remember any of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> None. Once I'm done, I'm done. Yeah, I forget slate. that I even talked about it. But, like, well, one good example is Chillingham Castle. The the negativity that went on there oh, when it Lord. was active and, yeah. and the 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 death and the bloodshed that occurred right there inside the castle walls. Mm-hmm. And now we see the paranormal activity that occurs inside the castle. Then suffice to say, you know, negative energy, you know, has something to do with all of this. Right. You know, we. We've talked about how, you know, ghosts or spirits would require so much energy to be able to physically interact with the environment. Right. And, you know, it it just, it it kind of goes right along with this when we talk about shadow people, you know, or shadow entities, however you want to look at it, um, needing that energy to exist in this world, Mm -hmm. you know. Whether it's to interact with you or just to be there and mess with you or to to stimulate your fear to feed them further. Right. You know, and, and that's a possibility, too. You know, if 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 I'm a, a seemingly intelligent being, which, you know, in some of these stories we're going to share later, these things seem like they have some intelligence about. Them. Absolutely. You know, there's a purpose. They're not. You're not watching just a replay of historical events. Right. You're 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 seeing something that sees you back. They're not just a mindless beast coasting That's through. Right. That's right. And especially with one in particular, there appears to be a, a reason for mm-hmm. for his appearance. Right. And and, and so we're we're gonna, we're going to get more into that here in just a second. Right. But it's like the you you talking about enhancing people's fears to it it kind of made me think of you know we as humans we grow food or you know we feed cows to bring them to a point to where we make them into steak yummy yummy steak mm-hmm. and i i kind of think of shadow people doing that with humans in a sense they they breed this aura of 
bad, of fear, of hatred, of whatever. And they nurture that fe- that feeling. And as it heightens, they feed. And as it heightens, they feed. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a lot of experience with shadow people, and this is just my opinion, don't take this to heart and don't blame me if this doesn't work. This is all our opinion. This is just... <laughs> Yeah, this is just conjecture and and thinking out loud here, um, like we do in the graveyard. If you're experiencing a lot of shadow people activity, maybe see what you can do to reduce stress, fear, hatred, anger, and see if that doesn't fix it. Because right. if, if they've got nothing to feed on, they won't stay around. Yeah. You know, you're not going to set up your tent somewhere out in the woods where there's a lot of berries and stuff you can eat. And then once the berries are gone, you're not going to stay there. Right. You're going to move on to more fertile pastures. So perhaps it's the same for shadow people. Could be. Could be. That's, I mean, and that's an interesting take on it. So. And there's one in particular, Matt, that you want to tell <laughs> us about. So one, one particular shadow person um appears and the folks that interact with him and I say him because the the descriptors make you think it, it's a male figure right you you just sense male yeah and and that is the hat man now we've talked about the hat man on other shows just in passing mm-hmm. um and and a lot of people will because there's so many stories, a lot of people will separate the hat man from other entities. Right. But the descriptions really fit that of a shadow person. And so the hat man could be just a very unique shadow person, you yeah. know, like its own branch of. Yeah. But the hat man is sometimes referred to as the gray man or the shadow man. It's an entity that is described as a man wearing a wide-brimmed hat and a long trench coat. And in some encounters, the hat man is described as wearing a cowboy hat. That's if you if you see him in Texas. Right, right. Yeah. That's so everywhere else, he's wearing a different hat. But <laughs> you got to wear a cowboy hat in Texas. So, but uh, sometimes it's a fedora. That's the hipster hat man. The hipster hat man. Uh, or an older top hat. I've got so nothing for that. The vaudevillian hat. There we man. go. Okay. <laughs> Glad you saved that one. Yeah. I had nothing for that one. <laughs> He's going to do a little soft shoe. <laughs> Hello, my know. baby. Yeah. Hello, my darling. <laughs> Hello, my ragtime gal. We've solved it. Michigan J. Frog. Is that <laughs> so, but but sometimes wearing a black cloak, a suit, or or even having a beard. So these are features that people don't typically see in the traditional shadow people experiences. Right. I want one though. I want a hat man to look like me, a beard with a baseball cap. That's <laughs> and in 10 years, maybe there will be, who knows? So if I ever have like a, a, a baseball cap wearing bearded hat man, I'm just going to go, Adam, go home. Yeah. Adam, stop astral projecting in <laughs> my room. <laughs> <laughs> so witnesses will say that the hat man's eyes glow red. 
and occasionally he checks a gold pocket watch chained to his belt. Now, he's described as being at least six feet tall, though usually his stature will reach between seven to ten feet. Now, seven to ten foot shadow of a man in my bedroom. That's terrifying. I mean, it it better be Shaquille O'Neal standing there. Yeah. I mean... I don't and even, even and even then I'm going to be like, why is Shaquille O'Neal exactly, in my better? Exactly. Now look, but I could probably wrap my head around that better than <laughs> the Hat Man. <laughs> I, I I would just ask Shaq why he's in my bedroom again. It's like we talked about this. Get out. <laughs> come on, yeah, come on, man. Wow. But when the Hat Man does appear, the witness is usually sleeping in the early morning hours. Although users of Ouija boards. Which why have also described encountering the Hat Man as well as alleged victims of alien abductions have reported interacting with the Hat he Man. He runs the gamut. Uh, yeah, I'm telling you, and, and there's and there's a lot of people that will correlate the existence of shadow people to aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's they have figured out a way to monitor us in this fashion to without having to appear physically right um or or if if they are just entities that are um you know in cahoots yeah working with, for with, with aliens <laughs> yeah they're you know they're just alien subverts or it's, something it's like the that henchmen for the grays yeah and the okay. grays are henchmen for the reptilians and and we could go on yeah but they do share a lot of similarities to people who have had interactions with grays. You know, the fact that they pass through walls and, and you know, sometimes shadow people are, are seen where they seem to be peering around a corner, mm-hmm. like peeking at you. Yep. And didn't and, they name those the peekers or the, the peepers? peepers? Yeah. yeah. The, the peepers are what, um, what are some type of shadow Shadow people. Now, when when I was a kid, what I used to call my peeper was something totally different. <laughs> Family show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> going to stop there. Sorry. <laughs> we're going to have like, you know, we're going to get emails. Like, oh, my side says there's a yeah. peeper. No, it actually will be telling me Michael has now oh, started yeah, yeah, calling yeah, yeah, it yeah. a peeper. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> my bad. But, um, but, you know, people that have described gray aliens in their house will will say similar things, that they passed through the walls or that they were looking around a corner like they didn't want to be seen necessarily, but they want to monitor what's going on. Cough, cough, Stardust Ranch, cough, I cough. know, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. So, um, but, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the hat man um, showing up, he, he really does seem to either indicate or cause or predict some type of misfortune or bad luck, ill health, or even death. And, you know, Adam and I both found accounts where there was some type of death or tragedy associated with an experience witnessing the hat man. Right. Usually just a few days after. Yeah. So, you know, if you see a shadow person... You tell them, don't put on a hat. Right. Please <laughs> leave your hat on the rack. Don't get your hatted friend over here. Right. Keep your boss, <laughs> your crew foreman away. 
The hat man is also said to allegedly whisper ominous warnings to his victims, occasionally speaking in enigmatic riddles. So others, such as Heidi Hollis, the author of The Hat Man, The True Story of Evil Encounters, suggests that the hat man is not necessarily a shadow person, but a demonic entity or a minion of the devil. Now, this belief is similar to the historic view of the hat man and shadow people, which argued that such entities were actually shades, which is the spirit of a dead person from the underworld. Now, I, I figured the devil's minion would be yellow, not a black shadow person. Yeah, that's right. With one big eye, yep. goggles, overalls, <laughs> of course. You know, but, um, you know, shades, shades are, you know, that's that's a whole other topic, you know, that, you know, we could we could just start a whole other show talking about shades. Sure. We'll um, touch on it a little bit here in the theories coming up, but like Matt said, you could do forever on that. Yeah, so, you know, it could be for sure, um, you know, but there's there's so much more um, that goes along with, you know, the uh, the idea of shades that that's involved with shadow people. Right. You know, it's like, well, this is kind of what the experiences tell us that shadow people do and 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 what what you would expect to hear when somebody's telling you they've had an interaction with shadow people you know shades are much much more involved right so don't know but not going to rule it out either right so matt let's before we get into the stories let's kind of quickly run through some of the theories that people have put forth for shadow figures and the hat man yeah um, and we'll run the gamut of all the, the paranormal stuff and the more scientific based. Yeah. And, and we'll even play devil's advocate that, you know, maybe this is, this that, isn't a little, it's not legitimate at all. That we always play devil's advocate, Matt. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> so one of the theories is that shadow people could be creatures in an alternate reality whose dimension occasionally overlaps with ours so that it allows them to be partially visual, sometimes said to be an evil entity from another dimension. So it's kind of like basically seeing a shadow. If you shine a light through a piece of paper onto the wall, you'll see that darkened figure in your reality, but it's really in another dimension, on the paper dimension. Right. Um, where it can sort of come through in and out kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a really good way to, you know, to describe it. You know, we're 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 able to see something that actually exists in another dimension, just not a hundred percent. Yeah, it's not. It's really not made of shadows, but that's all we can catch of it. Yeah, and and the idea of evil or not evil, you know, I've heard it put that. Just like people, there are evil and not evil people. Right. And you interact with these kind of people all day, every day. Right. And it's the same for shadow people. Sure. You know, you're going to come across some that are not so nice. You're going to come across some that are just like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Just kind of benevolent just watching out, you. you know? Yeah. Um, another theory is that they are a manifest thought form or egregore, usually created by like negative psychic energy and kind of related to a certain place or event that 
has extreme emotional or physical stress or trauma in that place. Yeah, almost like an accidental tulpa. Exactly. Exactly. And and a tulpa is another one of these that we can go ahead and mark off the list, but um, it is like Matt said, accidental. It's not something that you intended to set out to create. It's just like we kind of talked in um, the poltergeist episodes. Things are happening because of your emotional or psychological state. Right. And and shadow people experiences have been associated with poltergeist activity. Right. You know, so whether they are mutually, you know, exclusive or they're actually, you know, a part of the same disturbance, you know, we, we don't really know. Right. But but yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the negative energy um that is associated with poltergeist activity, you know, like we talked about at length, you know, it, it's associated with shadow people as well. Right. Um, another one is that they are in some way linked to gray or reptilian aliens, like Matt had touched on earlier. Um, some way tied into them, not really, nobody's ever really specifically said how, that they are an unattended shadow or shade, like Matt said, from mythology. Um, kind of a flicker of life that's unable to end for some reason. Astral projections of an entity in a, another dimension into our dimension, which I kind of like this theory. Mm-hmm. I do too. It's not an overlapping of dimensions, but in another parallel dimension to our own, a creature knows how to astral project and is astral projecting itself into our reality and is able to physically affect things and be seen mm-hmm. because we've talked when we talked about astral projections usually your astral projected self is not a full figure there's kind of a see-through quality to it yeah it's like a, it's a carbon copy right so they could be an astral projection and we are just seeing the the projection, and they're coming over here to what end we don't know to observe, to screw with us, to whatever. Well, if you think about it this way, if 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 you go back to your lecture notes from <laughs> <laughs> our past episodes, um, when we talked about remote viewing, and then just a few weeks ago talked about out of body experiences and astral projection. One thing we learned was that remote viewers aren't necessarily detectable because there's not anything to detect because they're receiving information. But when you astral project, you're actually putting forth something that's visible and you could be detected. So when we're talking about, especially when we're talking about the, like the guys that were remote viewing, and they were seeking information about a distant place. They really weren't trying to do anything other than gain information. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of folks that that say they are able to astral project or have, you know, documented their experiences with astral projection, you know, that's exactly what they're doing, too. Sure. They're just exploring. They're mm-hmm. looking. They're curious. Right. 
So I like this theory a lot, too, because if you think, hmm, we're looking at another dimension or another time, because the you know, we also learned in remote viewing and astral projection that time really doesn't matter, that I could astral project or remote view into the past or into the future. Right. And could we be seeing the astral projection of human beings 30, 100 years in the future sure. or in the past? Sure. You know, that are just curious. That are just looking in. What's life like in 2019? Right. You know, what are people doing? What are houses like? Right. You know, or what were they like a hundred years ago? Right. So, you know, we don't know, but this theory kind of, it resonates with me. Yep. It, it was the one that stuck with me the most too. There was something, something about researching those particular things that really made you feel there is something really going on there it's legit you know right. there are really people out there that could do this it, mm. it really makes you feel that way so if you're buying into that it, it it makes you take this theory and go hmm yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense yep, that's very possible you know, of course you got, you got to buy into the other stuff first right <laughs> right so if you don't buy into any of that you won't buy into, you won't buy into this right. either um so Matt tied in basically the last of the paranormal things there was time travelers. Um, and, and that worked really well um, for me, just in my own opinion, uh, the way Matt explained it, it was perfect in that sense. So we won't expand on that any, we'll move right into the non the in quotes, non paranormal hypothesis. Um Paradolia is the first one, and and this gets thrown out a lot for a lot of paranormal things. Um, they say, you know, witnesses report seeing shadow people in the periphery of your vision, um, and that area of vision is linked to areas of the brain that recognizes patterns, but it doesn't give you as much detail as the center of your vision. So they say when you see it in the periphery of your vision and you turn to look at it and it goes away, that's because pareidolia is making you see a human form because you can't piece together the details so much. But then when you are able to piece together the details with straight on vision, it goes away and it's not there. And... I get that, you know, that that makes a whole lot of sense, but it doesn't explain why there are a lot of instances of people looking them dead in the face like I'm looking Matt in the face right now. Yeah, or, or that, that feeling that it's interacting with you. Right. Why, it knows you're there. Yeah, if it's pareidolia, you're not going to, I would say 98% of the time, you're not going to just make up an interaction with something in the periphery of your vision, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and a lot of times you're not going to see it in the periphery of your vision. And when you turn and look at it, you're not going to see this thing move away or disappear. It would just go away. Mm -hmm. It just wouldn't be there. 
but we see a lot of accounts of people turning and they actually see the form disintegrate or vanish, drop into a wall, drop into the floor or something. And that is not pareidolia. No, it would pareidolia. You should turn and it be gone. Exactly. Um, so in some cases, sure, it may be pareidolia. Yeah. You may be seeing, you know, sitting in your room watching TV and you think you see something out of the corner of your eye and it legitimately is pareidolia. But for some cases, it does not explain that case. Now, another one is hypnagogic states or hypnagogic, however you want to pronounce it. Um well, and, I couldn't pronounce it at all the last time we hey, had this word. I'm glad I got it then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and this is basically that state between sleeping and awake. Mm-hmm. And and it's what we kind of hit, hit on earlier with sleep paralysis. People think sleep paralysis is just that state. And that during that state, your brain is making all this up. And again... In some cases, absolutely. It very well could be that. But it doesn't explain the ones where the person is nowhere near sleeping. Yeah. You know, they they weren't in bed when they saw it. They were walking into the other room when they saw it or standing in the bathroom brushing their teeth. That's not a hypnagogic state. It's something else. Now, one of the ones that we've seen for ghost encounters and everything is electromagnetic fields and under the right conditions electromagnetic fields can interfere with the functions of the temporal lobe so this creates an altered state of perception and you have auditory and visual hallucinations during this and researchers can use electromagnetic fields to recreate many of the experiences reported during paranormal encounters in laboratory conditions, including those of shadow people. They've documented correlations between variances in natural occurring magnetic fields and areas where paranormal events have been reported. So, again, that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. That, that is legitimately a thing. But you can't tell me that in all senses in all of these cases, that it's electromagnetic field. Right. Because some people have had an experience in a house. They've moved. And guess what? They've had the experience again. So Maybe they're just attracted to houses with magnetic field. Maybe so. Or they've <laughs> maybe got... Maybe they've got a... They've got a high iron content or something. Right. They've got a high iron content and they've got certain metallic fillings yeah. and it and it creates yeah. a like a battery in their yeah. face we like it we like it right um this house feels very magnetic yeah I, i'm state. just drawn like a magnet to this house <laughs> um it's also reported that ben benzidamine diphenhydramine harmala alkaloid and silicin can cause these effects as well and those are all obviously drugs yeah but i would say 90 percent to 98 percent of the cases that we looked at the people did not use drugs right and not even prescription drugs had no history of drug use so sure it can cause that 
I, th- I found it interesting. That I found a, a study where methamphetamine users had a lot of experiences like this. And, and people are going to say, oh, well, yeah, they were on drugs. They were probably seeing all kinds of stuff. But, you know, meth is not really a hallucinogen. No. But this, this is where they tie it in. What do you not do? When you're uh, when you're taking meth, exactly. You don't sleep, exactly. Sleep okay? deprivation and sleep deprivation is a big factor in a lot of these cases because you do hallucinate. Sure. When you're sleep deprived, right? And there there is a correlation to you know sleep deprivation and hallucinations like shadow people, right? You know. So again, like we're saying, there there are legitimate reasons why people could perceive a shadow entity and we're agreeing with it mm-hmm. we're just saying that these don't explain all of the accounts right you know they there are accounts that don't fit they don't fit into any of these theories right you know either they they weren't on drugs there were no electromagnetic fields around um they were able to see it they you were know, not they were, in a hypnagogic state. Right. So those are the encounters that we're going to focus on because they're the ones that are the most fun. Exactly. And the scariest. And the ones that will make you listen to this show and go, uh, I'm not going to go to sleep tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the ones that have kept Matt and I awake for a while, <laughs> which right. may mean we're sleep deprived. And back in the day, I knew people, you were talking about um, seeing things because of sleep deprivation. I will not say why these people knew this, but- mm-hmm. They would call these things tree police because they'd be paranoid from sleep deprivation and they thought they saw people in the trees. Yeah. Oh, God. And so they called them tree police. Yeah. But let's move on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into some encounters here that Matt was alluding to that will freak you out a little bit. This one is called the Mirror Man. Said, When I was younger, there was a man at the top of the stairs. I used to go to the bathroom every night between about 12 and 3, and he would always be there. He was a shadow on a mirror. I was only about 4 or 5, but other people saw him too. He even tried to push one of them down the stairs. Since moving into the house across the road, though, I haven't seen or heard from him. I can't go in my old house upstairs because there's a very unwelcome and hostile feeling to it. I still can't work out who he is. I've also seen him in my friend's houses, and he just stands there, looking at me. Although there's no face, just a shadow. So it fits. Yeah. The no face, just a shadow, just looking at you, observing. Right. And and it also seems to be more attached with a person. Right. And not you know, a house or an area, which would eliminate the idea of electromagnetic fields or anything like that. And they were walking to the bathroom. So not a hypnagogic state. Right. That's right. So uh, uh, right on the heels of that, let's get into another one called unable to leave. It says, I was only about 10 or 11 when I went to this house. It was daytime and the building was well lit. I looked into a few rooms and saw nothing out of the ordinary until I turned into a hallway. It was at the other end of the hall, 
looking at me. Although it had no eyes, the feeling was undeniable. The shadow person and I watched each other for some time. I didn't think it was real, but then it started walking toward me slowly. I turned and ran. I looked over my shoulder, and it had traveled about seven meters in the split second I looked away. But when I had my eyes on it, it moved slowly. I got out of the house and looked at it again. It had stopped at the door, almost like it was unable to leave the house. And it turned and walked back into the house. So maybe this one is something that is associated with a house. But there was legitimate interaction here. Mm -hmm. I mean, this person, and and again, we talked about that. They they seem to, to not only know your presence, but interact. Right. You know, and so this one obviously did, but when he describes that there's no features, but that feeling was undeniable. Right. You know, it's watching me. It's watching me. You know, this thing is staring right at me and I'm looking right back at it. And that's, mm-hmm. I mentioned that earlier in the show. It's watching you back. Right. You're seeing it. It's seeing you. Right. And, but it seemed to move like one of the ghosts from Super Mario Brothers. Where you turn your back and it's real quick. (laughs) You look and it stops. (laughs) So this next one is called Remembering is Terrifying. And I'm going to read it like it is. The the grammar in here bothers me a little bit, but I'm going to read it like it is. (laughs) Typing this is stirring up emotions, but screw it. I grew up in an old brownstone house in Brooklyn, New York. It was a two-story with a large squeaky staircase and a creepy basement. The house had a lot of spiritual activity. One day in particular is burned into my memory and still gets me to this day. It was the middle of the afternoon. Sun was shining. I was running around the house misbehaving with my little brother. I was eight. He was five. We were playing spies and I was making my way up the stairs. As I'm walking up the stairs, I can see the entrance to my bedroom. As I was looking into my bedroom, a tall shadow being stepped into the doorway, looked straight at me, then went back into my bedroom. It was a dark shadow in the shape of a human, standing upright and walking. It had a wavy quality, like I was looking at a heat wave. I was so terrified. I tried to scream, but my voice didn't even come out. I ran downstairs as fast as I could to the living room where the rest of my family was. I was crying hysterically, explaining to my mother exactly what I saw. She had me say some prayers and tried to assure me it was gone. I did not want to go back into my own room. I had difficulties falling asleep. I had nightmares about it. The entire experience lasted a few seconds, but I replayed it in my head hundreds of times. When I got older and the internet became a thing, I looked up shadow beings. It felt good learning about other people's experiences, and I finally felt like I was not alone. I never talked about this incident, but I will never forget it. Again, we've got one in the daytime. Yeah, and and another thing is is really interesting that of the three stories we've shared, they were children. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before, that children and animals and they they have a perception different from adults. Exactly. And I think some of that with children is that 
the the world is still an amazing place. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't understand everything around you, and that makes it, you know, it makes it wonderful. I mean, you know, things are still magical. You know, you you don't understand, you know, why why it rains or, you know, what what makes the sun light up. It, you know, it you just you just trust that it it happens. Right. And as we as we age and we learn, then you have more of a grasp of how things work and why things are the way they are. And I don't necessarily mean it makes you more skeptical. I think in a lot of ways it does. But when you have more understanding, things are a lot differently perceived, I guess. Yeah. You're taught that certain things can't happen due to the our laws of physics and blah, 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 blah. And in some ways, I've I've thought about this before. In some ways, to me, that's a shame. It that, is that yeah. you lose that that magic as you get older. You know, you're not as amazed by the world, but honestly, there's a lot to be amazed with the world that we are unwilling to believe because our rational adult brains don't think that's possible. Exactly, and you know that that's why I think that you know. The paranormal, if you will. Um, I will. Yeah, I will too. <laughs> it, it it always is going to have the people that want to believe so bad on one end of the spectrum and the people that absolutely will not accept anything outside of what they can say science can explain. And call the believers fools and get nasty. Right. And, and you know, I feel like I fall somewhere in the middle of that. Sure. You know, I want to believe. You know, I, I've had enough experiences where there's things I, I do believe, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm skeptical enough to not just take everything I hear and go, yep, that happened. Now, everything's you know, magic. That's totally, that's totally true. And these things exist. And so, but, but being that way makes it, makes it fun. You know, it makes life more fun. Right. But it, it also, I think says that I'm not a closed minded person. You know, I'm not going to just completely poo poo an idea that, something like this could exist, you know, that for whatever theory of, of who and why and how they are, you want to, you, you, you want to take hold of, you know, it's, you just can't close yourself off to the idea that there's something going on that we don't understand. Right. And this could be it. This could be one of thousands of things that we as humans don't understand and may never. You know, but like I said, it makes life a a lot more fun. Oh, yeah. So uh, here's another one that starts off when I was younger. So when I was younger, I lived in a ranch style home with my mom and grandma. My mom and I had chosen to have our rooms in the basement. 
Hers is in the back corner bedroom of the basement and mine in a sectioned off area of the main living room recreational area. Her bedroom was connected both to her bathroom and the main living area. The bathroom door being in her, her room and the door leading to the living area being catty corner with a door that led to her bathroom from the main living area. I got lost just then trying to <laughs> formulate where all these dig up doors were. Yeah. It it sets it up, but dang. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to draw this map in my head. One night in particular, I remember playing with my Legos. I was probably nine or 10 when I happened to look up at my mom's bedroom door. As I looked through that door, it became more and more apparent that there was something there. It had no facial features and was nothing more than the silhouette of a small person with really swooshy hair. After about a minute of looking at this shadow, it dashed into the bathroom via the door directly connecting the bathroom and the bedroom. In disbelief, I continued to play with my Legos when I felt something staring at me. I looked up and I couldn't believe my eyes. The same shadow was now standing directly in the bathroom doorway. Now I know it had no face, much less, much less eyes, but it was staring, watching, perhaps even waiting. I almost immediately sprinted into my mom's room, at which point I sprinted up the stairs, tears of fear running down my face. After that incident, I could never be alone in the basement at night and my bedroom was moved to one of the spare rooms upstairs. I wish I could say that that was the last of my experiences, but alas, it is not. The same shadow person followed me to several different houses, including the one I'm in now. So it's not electromagnetic activity no. in the house. And it's not, it's not a ghost per se that would be associated with a house right. or an area. Right. You know, um, and as we talked about before, these things appear to have some level of intelligence, mm -hmm. you know, so it knew to dash away when it was looked at. Right. And but then came back, mm -hmm. but was more interested in looking at this person and, and watching and monitoring this person than anything else. You know, followed him to different rooms, to different houses, you know. So, you know, it, it, it again, it, it doesn't fit in any of the scientific theories. Right. You know, so um, we have to start looking at some of the other ones. Right. And again, you know, Matt and I probably will go back to this several times, and, and this may be the one that we stick on the most, is that it is the astral projection that you're seeing yeah. because it's viewing it's watching you yeah and the fear you get from it is not necessarily that it is needing that fear you just don't know how to rationalize it so you are afraid yeah so this next one is from a guy named dan in wisconsin and again he's he was younger. He said, at 13, I got in a huge fight with my parents over something stupid having to do with Halloween, and they refused to let me go out trick-or-treating. I sat in my room just fuming and furious, throwing a ball up to my ceiling and catching it. 
Sure enough, it came down and I didn't catch it once and it rolled towards the corner of my room. When I flipped over, there was what I always called the hat man standing in the corner of my room, almost like he was facing the wall. I shot up and backwards, but he had disappeared. Years later, while talking to a friend on the phone, I saw him once again, this time outside my window. That is scary by itself, but the fact that my bedroom was on the second floor with no balcony or landing was even worse. I slept at a friend's house that night, and it took me days to convince myself to go back into my room and sleep. Only one other time did I see him, and that was in a dream. I dreamt that he was at the foot of my bed, just standing over me watching. When I woke up, I saw him reaching for me, but he disappeared as quick as he did the first time. I'm almost 30 now and can recall these vividly. This has given me the worst case of chills. I can't believe my incident wasn't isolated, and I don't feel so crazy anymore seeing that others are being affected by this as well. So, the hat man reaching for him, Mm -hmm. you know, again, that, that has different kind of connotations to it than a regular shadow person. Yeah, much more malicious. Right. And a lot of the stories you'll find about the hat man the the foot of the bed, you know, just hovering over you. It's a it's a real it's a real common description of what happened. Yep he he usually sees you at night. Mm-hmm. You know he he comes to do something to you. In my yeah. opinion, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know what else to say. That gives me the willies. Mm-hmm. You know, just just thinking about that. So. Um, the next one we're going to do is, uh, is called Camping Sisters. Summer was here. I was about 13 or 14 years old. Again, kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, kids, it's just all these stories, you know, when, when everybody, when they're younger. I decided with my kid sister to put up the tent in our backyard. The yard was between my home and the garage. The garage had a timer, so when the time was up, the light would turn off. The tent was awesome. It included our mattresses to sleep on and our TV, which really made it seem like we were not really camping. When it was time to go to bed, my dad unplugged the extension cord, which turned off the TV. That's a good way to know. That's right. My sister laid in her mattress and I laid in mine. Five minutes later, my sister falls asleep from our exciting day. I, however, laid there waiting to fall asleep. As I was laying on my side facing my sister, I saw a man's shadow wearing a cowboy hat, walking at a fast pace to the front of the tent. As soon as the shadow got to the front of the tent, the lights turned off. I heard no footsteps as the leaves of the yard floor were dry and would have crunched if stepped on. I quickly jumped up with my sister and hugged her tight. The week before, I saw a shadow go into the garage. I was alone, so I called my mother, and she sent my dad there to check it out. There was only one way in and one way out, and I was staring at it the whole time until my dad got there. He went in, and nothing was there. So, a a lot of really interesting experiences with not just shadow people in general, but the hat man himself. 
And one in particular that that I came across where again another child said that he he witnessed you know a shadowy figure that appeared to be in a long trench coat and a hat standing right outside his window again on the second floor and he said he he woke up in the night saw the hat man right outside the window said he remembers not necessarily feeling scared but you know, curious as to what was going on. Mm-hmm. Now, in this particular uh, account, when he looked directly at it, it seemed to move away, not necessarily disappear. Right. And that he said that his window below was the roof of the pa- of the porch. So someone could potentially have stood there and that he actually heard footsteps go away right now the account goes on to say that he went back to sleep and didn't remember it you know so here he is he's a child now what he does remember from the event he says it happened around christmas time because he remembers he was getting a nintendo gamecube and he was excited so he was already having some some difficulty sleeping Mm mm-hmm but the next day, he didn't recall it, you know, or just pass it off as a dream. Later in life, when he got to college, um, a friend of his showed him a book that talked about the hat man. And after looking at this book, he remembered the events that had occurred years earlier. Mm-hmm. And after reading that, seeing the hat man is usually a bad omen. He decided that he would tell his mother what had happened. He hadn't told anybody because he forgot. And he asked then, was there was there anyone in our family that died or had some tragedy right around this time that this would have happened? And he said his mother said, you know, there was a little girl next door, roughly the same age. And he said he had he had forgotten that he had, you know, even known this this girl, but that she had died in her sleep and, and the date of her death was December 23rd. So right there, right in line with that time. Mm -hmm. And he said he, it was just amazing to him when his mom told him that, that he had seen the hat man and there was, you know, a death right at the right, right around the same time. Right. You know, which, you know, we, we did see a lot of stories where, like Adam mentioned, there's some type of personal tragedy that can be associated with an experience with the hat man. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really weird, you know, and really weird how that that seems to be a thread that goes yeah. through all of these. Yeah, and a, and another theory that comes out when you're talking about the hat man is that. Is he not a shadow person, but some type of reaper? Right. You know, is is he is he not evil necessarily, but he's there. He's got a job to do. Right. You know, I I mean, he's he's wearing a trench coat and a hat. You know, he looks Mm -hmm. like, you know, I got to go to work. Time to to make the donuts. Sometimes they the accounts have um, 
described him as having a cane and a briefcase along yeah. with a hat, yeah. like a, a derby hat, a briefcase, and a cane. Yeah. So who knows? Who right. knows? We don't have any right. answers yet. Right. And, and you know, that, again, you know, if, if, if you're going to buy into that, you got to believe, hey, there's reapers out there. Right. Um, but it's, you know, it's just another theory because of the uh, – you know, the, the tragic events that are sometimes not always, but sometimes associated with, you know, a sighting of the hat man. Right. All right. So I've got one more story for you before we finish this up. And I saved the one that freaked me out the most to the oh, end. Oh, good. So this says, I saw him at 18 years old in my room. After a particularly traumatic experience, I woke up at an incredibly late hour, probably 2 or 3 a.m., didn't really check, but something was off. I was speaking in a language I've never heard. I was speaking to what I can only describe as a young girl or something with the body type of a young girl, perhaps about 14 years old, in a dress. I couldn't make out her features, but I could make out her eyes and her mouth, which could only be described as sharp-looking, like a human piranha or something. She was whispering something into my ear, and I was replying in this strange language. But it wasn't just this shadow girl. My bed was surrounded by tall, dark figures, which I could not make out the features of. Perhaps four of them, not counting the girl. They sat motionless and watched me, but the most striking figure was a tall man in a wide-brimmed hat standing in the corner of my room. I could feel as if he was amused. No more amused than the others, though. Each time the girl whispered in my ear, I would let out a reply of which I didn't understand, and the man in the hat would be delighted. You'd think that one would be scared of this sort of encounter, but it kind of felt familiar. It felt rather warm, as if I were surrounded by old friends or family. Now, I forgot to add that I was researching this encounter and came across a startling, startlingly similar account. The person had an almost identical experience, minus talking in another language, or at, at all for that matter and the little girl was yelling into their ear as opposed to whispering as she was for me. So, yeah. <laughs> that just, that freaks me out. Yeah. The details uh, in, in an experience like that. Yeah. And then to find one almost identical. Yeah, and there there's four large figures around your bed a girl is whispering to you and there's a large hat man in the corner of your room and then you're replying to whatever she's saying in a language that you don't know how what's right. happening right it just freaks me out so what do y'all think uh, what what do you think shadow people are did we hit on what you think they are? Or do you think it's something else? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we've discussed a lot of theories. Um, 
scientific and uh, paranormal. You know, what side of the fence do you fall on? You think people are just dreaming this up? You think they're just seeing stuff move, uh, you know, out of the corner of their eye and they're believing that there was actually something there? Um, Or, you know, is there a chance that there are shadow people? You know, what what do you think? Um, If you've had an experience with shadow people, like I said, we've had a lot of graveyard members that have asked us to uh, to review this topic. And it's one that, you know, Adam and I have wanted to look into for quite some time. Um, it's pretty freaky, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I think we, we've kind of shared what we think it could be. You let us know what you think. So, um, as always, we, we mentioned, um, please go and rate and review us on iTunes. That is how people find us. It gets us higher on the list, makes Adam and I feel all warm and fuzzy, and it brings more people into the graveyard. I like the warm, yeah. fuzzy feelings. And go and please go check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. There you can listen to the show. You can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. And you can become a patron. And as always, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for people who have uh continued to uh support the show. It's exactly how Adam and I Keep right on doing it and making the show better. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, I know what I, I know what I needed to mention here. Um, this is still kind of new for Adam and I, um, but if you've noticed over the last three or four months, um, you're you're hearing Adam and I do some commercials, right? And we would ask that all of our graveyard members go and check these uh, these sponsors out. It, it it would mean a lot to us. But it lets those sponsors know that choosing Graveyard Tales to uh, to reach out to the public and advertise their product or service, it's really it's really getting there, um, and those things really really help keep this show going and make it better and better. We didn't thank Lucy. We need to thank uh, Lucy for how did I forget this? Right, uh, Lucy helped us out on research this week and will probably continue to do so so we wanted to thank lucy for helping us out and helping us dig up some of these creepy things about the shadow people yeah 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 i I completely forgot i'm sorry lucy thank you so much for the the work that you put in on this it was a big help um we look forward to you being able to help us in the future so until next time we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.